So I have to ask, how many of you are listening to this while trying to sleep? Does the night grow long outside your window? Is there a howling wind adding an extra level of chill to these words? I only ask because I have a bit of horror fiction to share with you before we get into the meat of things. And given the subject matter of today's episode, I think this story is best told in the dark. It goes a little something like this. In the dead of night, when the moon hangs low, a child lays in her bed, and her fear begins to grow. With her gaze on the closet, her heart pounds in her chest. A voice whispers inside, keeping her from rest. Is there something in there? The child softly cries, as the shadows begin to dance, and the darkness multiplies. The closet door creaks, ajar just a crack. The room suddenly grows colder, she pulls the covers back. Then came the little footsteps, and eyes like burning coal. A fearsome beast emerges, a terror to behold. With claws like razors, in a grin, so wide, the child in her bed can no longer hope to hide. It climbs up and up and up, then on her chest it goes. It begins to steal her breath, or so the legend told. And now you're laying there, silently wondering in your head, how can you keep this beast out of your own bed? Well, don't worry, don't run, and don't you dare fret, for this beast will surely stay away, as long as you don't think about it. Okay, for most of us, that's easier said than done. But come on, for you, stories like this are kind of fun. So as long as we're up late anyways, and you're okay with a bit of a fright, let's talk about the fearsome beasts that only come out at night. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned. Though it may not seem like it, the story I've just shared with you is a pretty universal concept. I mean, we've all heard some variation of this lore while growing up. Between the boogeyman, the ghost in our closet, and the monster under the bed, well, it's safe to say that this narrative isn't exactly a new one. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the story's true, right? Well, to be honest, that question is still up for debate. In fact, there are some who would argue that legends just like this are based in reality. Not to mention that there are many different cultures around the world that have their own folklore concerning beasts that come out at night. The Japanese, for instance, speak of a spirit called Beto Beto. Identified only by the sound of disembodied footsteps, this invisible specter is known to come out at night. It stalks its victims through the darkness and all the while, it feeds on their fear. Similarly, in ancient Greek mythology, a being called Ampavina is known to torment people while they sleep. Supposedly, this creature will enter its victims' homes in the dead of night and hover over their beds, creating a sense of fear that it will then feed off of. Now, you could probably argue that these sort of haunts are rooted in our own humble beginnings. I mean, I'm sure that our ancient ancestors had more than a few encounters with real-world nocturnal beasts. 
So I guess it only makes sense that folklore of the same vein would eventually come to be. Although you have to admit, these creatures do seem a bit more monstrous than their so-called real counterparts. And that, of course, presents the question, are these tales simply inspired by ordinary-turned-extraordinary events, or could they be real and true in their own right? Well, let's take a closer look at a few more of these stories, and maybe we'll find some truth behind the lore. The spring of 1995 was a volatile one in Zanzibar. At the time, this small chain of islands off the coast of Tanzania was amidst its first major election after decades of political dissonance. And perhaps for this very reason, the populace was a little on edge. Now, to make matters worse, a bit of local gossip had begun to stir around the islands. Apparently, a large bat-like specter had been spotted around Zanzibar in recent weeks, wreaking havoc in various communities in the dead of night. Of course, these rumors were somewhat old news. In fact, the legend of the Popobawa had been circling around these islands since the 60s. But even still, the recent resurgence of these claims was frightening nonetheless. Let me paint this mental picture for you. In terms of its physique, the Popobawa is said to be a winged creature with razor-sharp claws and leathery skin. Those who encounter the beast most often speak of its resemblance to a large bat, although there are many reports claiming that the Popobawa is a shapeshifter that will readily change its form in pursuit of its prey. Now given its chameleon-like nature, detailed descriptions of the Popobawa tend to vary depending on the source. However, there is one quality that rings true throughout each of these accounts. The Popobawa is always accompanied by the demonic stench of sulfur. A demon is likely the best title for such a beast, especially considering its ill-intended regard for us mere mortals. You see, as night descends, the Popobawa will seek access to its victims' homes, taking any form necessary to gain such an invitation. Then, and only then, will it torment its prey while they try to sleep. Sitting atop their torso, the beast begins to push and press, smothering its victims until their bones turn to shards. By now, I think it's plain to see why the Zanzibar locals had been so frightened. I mean, with a reputation like that, this supposed spirit wouldn't need to do much, to incite a sense of sheer panic. And that is more or less exactly what happened back in the spring of 95. Call it mass hysteria, call it civil unrest. Maybe the small town rumor mill had simply been turning a bit too quickly. But regardless of the cause, the townspeople had been frightened out of their minds over a demonic shape-shifting bat. And honestly, who could blame them? Especially considering that by the looks of it at least, the Popobawa had started taking victims. The sightings began as early as mid-March, spanning through April and into May. 
During the first of these sightings, the beast entered into a large family home that was situated on the harbor. Of course, the family who lived at the residence did put up a fight, and in the end, they chased the creature out of their home and into the street. It was there that a mob formed, attracting half the town to come out in pursuit of the beast. Now, by the time the dust had settled, the Popo Bawa was gone, but in its place there was one man who had been badly beaten, evidently having been accused of being the beast himself. In the weeks that followed, similar narratives began to unfold. Dozens were injured, some were tragically killed. On one occasion even, witnesses reported that the beast had transformed into a man in front of their eyes. And even in spite of his humanoid appearance, this individual was eventually bent to the mob's will. Now, it's worth mentioning that after this event, the panic surrounding the Popo Bawa began to dissipate. Given the state of things, I guess that the locals were beginning to feel like the mob mentality had gotten a bit out of hand. Although, this is not to say that the sightings had stopped in their entirety. In fact, similar incidents surfaced on a few occasions in the years following this hysteria, with reports as recent as 2007. Of course, there are many who remain skeptical to these reports, but that's where the story gets really interesting. You see, the Popo Bawa is supposedly very specific when it comes to its prey, with its prime target being the mind of a skeptic. I don't think we can go any further without discussing a slightly more infamous haunt, one that is known insidiously as the Night Hag. If you tuned in for episode 16, you'll probably recall our discussion with Lindsay Brisbane from The Chilling Podcast, where we spoke briefly about her experiences with this entity. I'll have that episode linked in the show notes just in case you missed it. But for now, I'd like to take a closer look at the Night Hag, as well as a few legends of the same vein. This particular story dates back to the age of the Viking, when Scandinavian folklore equated the concept of sleep paralysis to what I can only describe as a spiritual attack. You see, the Scandinavians believed that sleep paralysis was caused by something called a mare, or rather, a malicious entity known to stand upon its victim's chest while they sleep, trapping them in a paralyzing dreamlike fear, hence the term nightmare. Now, it goes without saying that sleep paralysis is yet another universally feared construct. In fact, approximately 30% of the population will experience sleep paralysis at some point throughout their lives, meaning that, for some of you at least, the remainder of this segment will likely sound a bit familiar. Being one of these nightmare-inducing creatures herself, the night hag is said to be an old and shrill woman with long, coarse hair. She's perceived as a dark and foreboding presence, one that generally likes to stay out of direct line of sight. Well, that is, until she begins her approach. 
after standing for an impossibly long amount of time at the foot of their bed. The old hag will climb atop her victim and perch herself on their chest. She'll then steal the breath right from their mouths, making it impossible to move, speak, breathe. That's when the auditory hallucinations begin to set in. Along with a buzzing sort of vibration, those who have encountered this entity claim that she often comes with the sound of disembodied voices and laughter. Others report hearing a loud ringing in their ear that they can't escape, thanks to the immobilizing power of the night hag. Now, it's worth mentioning that the storyline has been shared around the world, with many different cultures spinning their own legends of an old spinster who torments the innocent in the night. Descriptions of an old hag have been shared in Native American folklore, and disturbing stories of this same entity have been told throughout the southern states. In Brazil, they speak of a spirit called La Pisadira, who, like the night hag, lurks in the dark of night. According to legend, La Pisadira crouches along the rooftops, peering into family homes in search of prey. While her victims sit unknowingly, eating their supper inside their homes, this entity hides just outside their window, watching and waiting for someone to fall asleep on a full stomach. That's when she strikes, sneaking into their bedroom as the light begins to fade. La Pisadira climbs onto her victim's chest and renders them motionless. Okay, by now many of you are likely thinking that this is just a bunch of hocus-pocus. I get it. Based off of these descriptions alone, the story itself does sound a little absurd. But think about it this way. Tales of the Night Hag have echoed throughout the centuries, weaving their way into a diverse collective of cultures, these narratives often sprouted from the genuine experiences of countless individuals who, more than likely, had little to no interaction with one another. Now, it is true that sleep paralysis is a medically studied phenomenon, and a quite common one at that. But that fact alone doesn't account for the mass groups of people who, evidently, have experienced the very same dream over vast stretches of time. So, surely, there must be something greater at play here, right? I'm going to pause now for a quick word from our sponsor. Are you tired of the same old boring podcast? Need some excitement in your life? Do we have a treat for you? Introducing the Conversation Cabin Podcast. Get ready to have your mind blown because we cover it all. From the paranormal to cryptids, UFOs and aliens, we've got more strange stories than you can shake a ghostly ectoplasm covered stick at. Think haunted places are just for the faint of heart? Think again. We'll take you on a spine-tingling journey through the most haunted locations known to humanity. You'll laugh. You'll scream. You'll probably wet your pants a little, but don't worry. It's all part of the experience. But wait. 
there's more. We're not stopping at the supernatural, folks. We're diving headfirst into the macabre. True crime stories that'll make your jaw drop. Murders, mysteries, and missing persons that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Can you handle it? Can you handle the goosebumps and the sheer awesomeness of the Conversation Cabin podcast? We dare you to find out. Join us every week for a roller coaster ride of terror. Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It's not just a podcast, my friends. Oh, no. It's an experience you'll never forget. So grab your popcorn, turn down the lights, and prepare for a journey into the strange, the scary, and the unexplained. The Conversation Cabin Podcast is here to rock your world. It's not just a podcast, it's an experience. Being a fan of horror content, chances are you're familiar with the tale I'm about to share. Back in the fall of 2014, a little-known film called The Babadook released in the UK, and within a matter of weeks, the story of a malevolent being that dwelled within the shadows of the human mind was taking the world by storm. Now, if you're anything like me, you probably thought that The Babadook was solely based in fiction. But, as it turns out, there is a bit of truth written into the fabric of this terrifying film. Originating in Australian folklore, the Babadook is said to be a tall, shadowy figure with long, slender arms and a beastly face. Dressed in a black overcoat and top hat, this entity is considerably reminiscent to yet another specter that's often encountered during episodes of sleep paralysis. Not far off from this description of the Babadook, the Hatman is said to be a shadow person who comes out to play while the world sleeps. He's said to be a tall, slender figure with glowing red eyes. And as the name would suggest, the Hatman is dressed in a dark overcoat and top hat. Sounds familiar, right? So there lies more questions. What exactly are these nighttime visitors? Are they even real? And if so, what is their intention? Well, as near as I could tell, the Babadook is more or less the Aussie interpretation of what many of us would call the Boogeyman, or rather a creature that comes out at night to torment ill-behaved children. According to one of my sources, at least, the Babadook is what we paranormal researchers refer to as a tulpa, which, as we learned back in episode two, is an entity summoned on thought alone. Supposedly, beings of this sort are manifested into our earthly realm, thanks to an unwavering amount of fear and belief in their existence. Now, when speaking in terms of the boogeyman, shadow people, and any one of the entities that are commonly associated with sleep paralysis, it's not exactly a far jump between these creatures and those classified as tulpas, I mean, think about it. 
Who of us here wasn't afraid of the boogeyman when we were growing up? So am I saying that the Babadook, the boogeyman, and the like are real and true beings that we should fear? Well, coming from a skeptic's point of view, that concept is a hard one for me to wrap my head around. But I will say this, it seems as though creatures of this nature could only truly exist for as long as we're willing to think about them. So, once again, I have to ask, are you still here with me? Or did you somehow manage to find sleep while listening to this episode? Regardless of what the answer to those questions may be, I think it's safe to say that the night may not be as peaceful as we once thought. Of course, it seems far-fetched when you say it out loud, but maybe those stories we heard as kids, the ghosts that lurked in our closet, or the monsters who lived under the bed, were our own childhood interpretation of real paranormal phenomenon. I mean, there are a multitude of theories claiming that children have the keen and often temporary ability to feel or even see the other side. So wouldn't it make sense for the nighttime-centric fears we harbored as children to be further evidence of these claims? I know, I know. Like I said, it's far-fetched. But you have to admit, the idea is an interesting one to think about, especially on nights like this, when you're far too restless to fall asleep. This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show in this way really helps us reach more listeners each week. It's entirely free and takes about 30 seconds, and it would genuinely mean the world to me. Also, if you're interested in learning more about today's topic, I greatly encourage you to check out the show notes section on our website at hauntscast.com. This is the location where I share my sources and provide any visual aid that may be referenced during the show. Finally, I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on Instagram at hauntscast or you can join our email list for updates about the show. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting.